Thanks for joining us today for Bread of Life, a ministry of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. At the core of our ministry is the conviction that Christ is our sufficiency in all things. Our prayer is that the message today might bring your thoughts near to Christ's abundant grace. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. And now here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. We are continuing a consideration of a personal relationship with God. This idea is at the center of what is called evangelicalism. The evangelicals saw that all the doctrines of the church were not glorious in themselves, but glorious because God had made them known to us so that we may know and appreciate an unending relationship with Him. Now we study our Bibles, and we pray, and we seek to live morally God-directed lives, but even here we're not cultivating good behaviors. No, here we're cultivating a good relationship with God who gives Himself to us for these very things. With this in mind, join us as we explore the wonder of what God offers us in a relationship with Him. People often involve themselves or engage themselves in fanciful thinking, kind of tragic thinking. It's the thinking of the what might have been's of their life. What if they hadn't made that terrible decision? What if they hadn't at that moment of weakness taken that one fork in the road that has brought ruin or disaster in their life? What if they hadn't made that investment? What if they hadn't taken that job? What if they had been discovered for what they really were and their abilities? What if they had bought that house or not bought that house? What if they'd won the lottery? What if they'd married a prince? Actually, if you look back at it, a lot of the fanciful thinking we have is kind of second nature to us. And There's actually a fanciful thought that we should begin with in exploring the might-have-beens or the what-ifs of life, but it's one that I've never really seen extrapolated in any detail, or I've rarely seen extrapolated in any detail, and it would be this. What if Adam and Eve had never fallen into sin? What if, as a result, their children had not inherited a sin nature? What might have been? What might we have experienced? Actually, the saddest stories that are ever told are those stories that are might have been stories. Actually, they're not told stories. They're untold stories. They're the longings of people's lives, the things that they kind of faintly dream after, the might have been stories that go unspoken but are wistfully dreamed after. They're the stories and they're the ballads that seem to haunt our lives And there are these stories that kind of hauntingly echo down the stark walls of human history. What if different decisions were made in human history? What if this man, Hitler, had died in the cradle? What if there had been some success at some overthrow of some despot? And we look down through the halls of history as well and wonder about the might of Benz. And each person can look down their own personal history and ask the same questions. If you look at mankind as we did only a couple weeks ago and understand that man is a person who has this monstrous potential for evil, which, by the way, is easily discovered and easily understood and is advertised in lengthy passages of Scripture like Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. 
And then you juxtapose next to that this idea that man was made in the image of God, and no matter how fallen he is, there are these shining moments in which he shows such potential, something so wonderful that rises beyond everything else in the created order that he demonstrates the spark of the divine in him, something wonderful, something masterful, revealing the intent of his creator. The fact is when you see those moments of divine inkling, when you see that raw, wonderful potential, it makes the sinfulness of man all that more of a sorry thing. It makes the what might have beens all that more acute, all that more painful to consider. In drama or literature, a tragedy is a story of the sad downfall of the main character. They are the reenactments, really, of human history. The human tragedy makes its full weight known to us because we know if we think of what could have been. If we think of how we could have been more expressive of that wonderful nature of God that was placed within us. The most painful might have been stories are muted because the reality is we never really know what the tale is like. We can only kind of faintly dream out of what might happen. We only know what may have happened if we married that prince or if we hadn't bought that house or we hadn't taken that job. Or made that decision, but we really don't know. We're only speculating. And so as a result, although it's a little bit painful, it's not terribly painful because we don't really know what the options were. We don't really know. I don't know if you've ever seen any kind of prank where they play on a person where they pick, or, or actually we remember watching the show when you were kids, the, what was that, where the people dressed in all kinds of funny things and they got picked to choose different curtains. Let's make a deal. And you know, they were offered $5,000 or what was behind curtain number two. And they turned down the $5,000. And they could have chose curtain number one or curtain number three. And so they opened up curtain number one and it's a brand new car. And they opened up curtain number three and you know, it's a beautiful, wonderful, all included kitchen. And then they opened up curtain number two and it's Some guy sitting on a straw hat on a donkey, you know, and they won the donkey instead. And that hurts, right? What might have been? Well, they really didn't possess it. It was only a dream and a hope. For us, there's something God has made us with, something God has put in us that we do possess, that is ours. Some potential that's so wonderful and so profound, and yet it is so rarely approached. And it gnaws away at people. The fact is that it should be all the sadder for us because in this case, we don't just have a hint of what we could have been. We have a full-blown expression of what could have been in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came to earth, he showed us in living color what we might have been. He expressed the magnificence of human potential. And we witness it as we read the accounts of Scripture. And we have to marvel at the brilliance and the wonder of not only what was his brilliance, but if this is all true, what could have been our brilliance as well. I want to make a first point here, and let's just call the point, behold the man. You remember those words being said? That's when Pilate put the Lord Jesus out before those who were calling for his crucifixion. 
before he put them out, he had Jesus stripped and he had him scourged and beaten. And then there was a crown of thorns that was placed over him. And then there was a purple robe that was put over his battered body. And so here is presented the Lord beaten and battered and being presented as a mockery before all the people that are calling for his crucifixion. I think Pilate is trying to somehow leverage the sympathy of the people who are calling for his crucifixion. And as he brings them out, Pilate says of the Lord Jesus, look at the man, behold the man. Remember it? As he parades him out before all those who are calling for his blood and for his death. Actually, before Pilate does this act, just briefly before this time, God himself gave a presentation of the same man, the Lord Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the passage we just read. There, the Lord Jesus took James and John and Peter with him up onto the mount to pray. And as they prayed, Jesus was transfigured before them. His very being began to radiate with a splendid light. He was dressed not in a bloody purple robe, but he was dressed in a garment of light. Matthew says that he shone like the sun. His face glowed like the sun and that his garments became as light. Mark focuses in his account on the exceeding brightness of the glistering garments that he wore in Mark chapter 9, verse 3. And there on the mount, the body of our Lord Jesus was literally aglow from within with a splendid, majestic, whitening light. And in that moment, he was clothed in light. What was the meaning of that light? Peter would later on refer to that moment and say that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You'll find that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. John will refer to it in John chapter 1, verse 14 and say, We beheld his glory. This was a moment of the dazzling beauty of something other than what Christ had been described at in his personal form prior to this. Actually, if you want to understand what Jesus looked like just in personal form as a man, Isaiah tells us, prophesies, that he has no form or comeliness that we should be attracted to him. In other words, my understanding is he was kind of a homely fellow. He wasn't that attractive. And yet at this very moment, under that unattractive form was concealed this glory of the divine power and this glory of the divine majesty of the only begotten of the Father, this one who is the second person of the triune God, that glory that if it were revealed in its full array would cause all of the foundations of the earth to shake, that glory if it were revealed would cause the angels to cover their eyes and their feet and to fly about and to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible says there's describes a day when the face and the glory of the divine power of Jesus Christ will be revealed. And it says that as it is revealed, it says all of earth and heaven will fly away. All of the universe will shift at the presence of that glory. But there was a glory that God allows to be revealed in this moment. And it's not that glory that causes the angels to cover their eyes. And it's not that glory that causes all of heaven and earth to shake. It's the glory, it's the moral glory of an absolute pure and potent and perfect man. And there, on the Mount of Transfiguration, for a moment, that glory radiates out. Christ's earthly life is a testament of the moral brilliance that was found in a completely surrendered and submissive human being. 
Jesus expressed the fact that his greatest joy was to do the Father's will and to do it perfectly. This glory was a glory that God gave to the apostles to see. The apostles were able to witness it and observe it and watch it and see an individual who was a human being like them. And yet in human potentiality live completely without any sin whatsoever. And as Christ was living this holy sinless life, there was within him this glory of human perfection radiating, building within him. And on the Mount of Transfiguration for a moment, God the Father let it shine out for these disciples to see. Think of how timely this was. In just a moment, the same son who was perfectly sinless was going to take upon himself our sin and he was going to bear it upon the cross and he was going to be made a spectacle of the violence and the destruction and the corruption of sin for all to see, hanging, beaten, and battered upon a cross. But before that moment comes, for a moment, God allows to be radiated out before James and John and Peter what it was that he was offering up for us in all this perfect, glorious righteousness as the sinless man. And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, I would say, here is where God says, Behold the man. Behold the man. And that man has risen to give us all his radiant righteousness and cover us with it so that we can be fit to meet with God in relationship. We'll consider this more the next time we get together, but for now, turn your eyes on Jesus. Where others fail you, Jesus never fails. You've been listening to the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.